That talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice with the 11th game of the Ohio State season. You guys know we've been previewing every single game. It is up to the road trip to Maryland for the Buckeyes the week before the Michigan game. And we have Ahmed Gafir, who has been covering Maryland for eight years. He is the founder and publisher of Inside the Black and Gold, the entrepreneurial spirit, something I would never have the guts to do. Ahmed, thanks so much for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Appreciate you guys having me. Man, I like I like the the knowledge, the insight. You've been doing almost a decade with Maryland, but also you said, "Man, I'm gonna bet on myself." How's it going so far with the site? It, it's going well. You know, it's uh, it's all about you know consistency uh, and hard work, and you know those are two things that you know I kind of like at you know my own standards. So uh, it's been good, been able to to generate a a positive community so far. So definitely definitely appreciate every step of the way. Not familiar. With consistency <laughs> and hard work. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, I'm glad you got that, though. And listen, man. Hey, the turtles, little juice, yeah. little juice. I'm going to I'm going to curve real quick because I did this at the end of the last preview we did, which was Indiana. And I asked Zach Osterman, the Indiana writer who was on, if you had an average Indiana fan, average Indiana university sports fan, and they enjoyed both men's basketball and football. What would be the breakdown, the 100% breakdown? They would lean what percent men's basketball and what percent football? And I want to ask you that same question. You're an average Maryland fan. Maybe you're alum. Maybe you're not. You just like the Terrapins and you like both those sports. What's the breakdown of, of how much you would care of those two compared to each other? Yeah, I'd say uh, with Kevin Willard, with him being hired now, I think the the optimism and the excitement is back kind of with Maryland. So I'd probably lean maybe 60-40 basketball over football, maybe 65-35 okay. basketball over football. Um, maybe maybe a little bit higher than that, but I think in, in that kind of range. Because I was trying to think of like, what are the Big Ten programs where basketball would win that discussion? And I think it's Indiana, Purdue, Maryland. Yeah. I think that might be it. Now, listen, Rutgers basketball is on the upswing and yeah. football is not quite yet. So I'm curious about that, but they still have Shiano there. You know, Michigan State and Michigan are both really good at basketball, but I think football would win that, even with Izzo there. Zach with Indiana said it was like 90 or 95% men's basketball. So on. that you, you are saying Maryland would lean basketball. I was so curious for that answer. We know the ACC history. We know Gary Williams. We know Steve Francis. We know how good they've been in recent years in the big 10 um, could that ever swing even higher toward basketball or is there truly a tradition of Maryland football that's always going to take up a chunk of that hundred percent. Yeah. So I think, you know, just with Loxley being at, at the helm, you know, just being the, the hometown, the local guy, you know, taking over the program now and making strides and turning the turning the tide a bit locally. Um, so I think you'll you'll always kind of have that inherent interest in, bas- in, in football, excuse me. But I do think with basketball, you know, if, if Maryland's kind of able to make a make another deep run in the in the NCAA tournament. Um, and like I said, you know, with Kevin Willard here, I think that's kind of rejuvenated some of the excitement around the program. So I definitely could see that uh, swinging a ton more uh, on the basketball side. But um, I would say with with Loxley uh, at the football uh, as a football head coach, there's going to be a lot of people that are you know rooting for him that want to see him succeed. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that if Loxley can't do it, then they're not sure who can. So I think that that inherent uh, belief is a big reason why Loxley has that kind of support. That's interesting. I mean, it's one of those things. I think both it, 
at, at Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland, you would all say at the peak, those basketball programs are capable of winning a national championship. Yeah. And for all those football programs, it just doesn't seem possible that the peak is like 10 and two and a really cool bowl game and yeah. you upset a good team or two. And if that's the case, then of course that's how your fan base would view it because the ceilings are different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fair. You know, I think Maryland, well, in the current current style of the big 10 for this season, at least, um, you know, Maryland fans, they, they know they're going up against Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, uh, Michigan state, who's now, you know, kind of been able to do some things under Mel Tucker. Uh, so just going up against that and being in the big 10 East, I think, um, that's, that's the, the biggest point of skepticism. So that's, you know, when, you know, when Damien Evans, the athletic director and Mike Cloxy talk about, you know, the next step, the next step is undoubtedly, you know, being able to show you're capable of beating one of those top notch teams. So, um, I think that if, if that happens, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, big 10 championship, that's a, it's an uphill battle for Maryland football. Um, so, uh, I think just kind of proving that at least you're capable and then, you know, you're able to, to generate some more patience from the fan base. Uh, but, you know, slowly but surely. Loxley, interesting guy, really interesting resume. We know how respected he is as an offensive mind, as a passing game guru, as a recruiter. Seems like a really personable guy. You know, you come across him. I've had good, you know, I had some good conversations in the past about when he was recruiting Dwayne Haskins, right? And and that kind of thing, obviously, you know, was down in Alabama for a while. Has Has a lot to him. But I do think sometimes from the outside, there may be a perception of Mike Loxley that, hey, he can bring in some talent, but can he get that talent over the top? Maryland, however, is coming off its first winning season since, what is it? Since 2010. 2010. Excuse me. That's first bowl win since 2010. First winning season since uh, 2016, I believe. Okay. So that's pretty good. Um, seven and six last year. And that bowl win in the pinstripe bowl, Maryland fans pretty pleased with Mike Loxley at this point. And he's entering his fifth season running the Terps. It'll be a season running the Terps. Yep. 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 Um, Pretty happy. Pretty happy. I, I think, I think getting back to a bowl game and especially one winning the bowl game and then two having it be Virginia tech. I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, the ACC, but you know, just Maryland, Virginia, you know, that, that yep, just yep. state rivalry right there. I think Maryland fans, that was kind of the cherry on top for him, but um, you know, Loxie, he, he continuously reinforced it, you know, uh, leading up to the bowl game after the bowl game, you know, we're not pleased with just getting to a bowl, you know, we have to, get there and, and win one to, you know, kind of create that new standard. And then once you're able to do that, then you say, okay, now we've gotten to two consecutive bowl games and then three. So I think that that's where, um, and I also think that, you know, winning that bowl game also helped, uh, help set the stage for his, uh, his extension up to the uh, potentially the 2029 season. So he, you think he's a long timer there? I mean, I, th- I think there's some interesting comparisons between Greg Schiano and Mike Loxley in that, they're both established guys who have been out in the world and done some good things, but they also probably are at the right place for them. Yeah. Is that the view at Maryland? Is that the view that Mike Loxley projects that like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to be here for two decades. Yeah. You know, I think as, as long as Maryland's able to, to do what they're doing and, you know, they're able to show the consistent signs of, of winning um, at the end of the day, you know, he, he went to blue high school up down DC and um, he's the, the, the inroads that he has within the DMV, obviously, you know, he has it throughout the country, but you know, his, his bread and butter is, the, you know, the local market. Um, so I think as long as Loxley does that, I think, you know, 
Maryland will continue to give him the opportunity. Um, so I, I do think that 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 hire was made in mind with the fact that, okay, you know, we maybe found our long-term guy, you know, Ralph Regan is here for 10 years. Uh, maybe Mike Loxley is going to be here for 10 years or maybe, you know, maybe shorter, maybe longer, but you know, he's already entering year four and uh, has multi-year extension. So uh, I think, I think Maryland is, is comfortable right now giving him that, that long-term um, uh, outlook. All right. I, I couldn't stay away from the basketball thing, but we, I, I'm, I'm eager to get on the field with this Maryland team. We'll do that next on Buckeye talk. Doug Maurice back with Ahmed Gafir, the founder. I'm not, I'm not going to found nothing in my <laughs> life, man. Just founding something sounds, sounds cool. I would, I would make people call me the founder. Do they call you the founder? Is there anybody in your life uh, that refers to you as the founder? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've, I've heard it a couple of times. It hasn't okay. you know, really resonated. I think, uh, you know, just, you know, continuously, you know, getting, getting the brand out there, getting the name out there, you know, the coverage and whatnot. Uh, I think that that's kind of the next step, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm just embracing it all. Inside the black and gold. I think we'll see each other at big 10 media days next week. If you hear someone yelling founder, <laughs> founder, it's, it's probably me. There you go. No, we've, we've never met in real life before. There you go. Okay. This. So Ahmed, th- this Maryland passing game, Talia Tungavailoa, 10th in the nation last year in passing yards. Among returning quarterbacks, he's 7th this year. If Dante Demas hadn't gotten hurt, or if he had played, even gotten hurt later in the season, played long enough, he would have been 3rd in the Big Ten in receiving yards per game behind Jackson Smith and Jigba and David Bell. Then when Dante Demas went out, Rakeem Jarrett kind of right filled the role of the number one receiver. And now they're both back. I've been on this podcast. I've been saying things like Michigan State might have the second best quarterback and second best receiver in the Big Ten and Peyton Thorne and uh, uh, Jaden Reed. But I would imagine if I said that within earshot of Maryland folks, they might call me on that. Let's start with Talia Tongavailoa. He's a veteran now. Everyone knows he's to his brother. Everyone knows he started off at Alabama. Everyone knows he knew Loxley there. When Loxley got the job here, he came to Maryland. He's been around a long time now. How good might this guy be this season? Yeah, you know, he I think if you take away and Loxley, he's he's brought it up several times. But if you take away that second quarter against Iowa, obviously, you know, you can't, you know, it, it happened. But um, he was able to show a lot more consistency, I think, in 2020, um, just with the, the COVID year and whatnot, you know, just and coming into the program and having to learn the, the, the offense and getting, you know, getting acclimated to Coach Enos. Uh, obviously, there was some familiarity from their times at, uh, at, Alabama, uh, at Alabama, Um, but just getting getting a chance to, you know, so, you know, immerse himself in 2021, uh, have a full off season where he was able to, you know, gain comfort, uh, with, uh, with his receivers. Um, and I think the next step, you know, Loxley, he, he just talked about it last week, you know, just the emotional side for him is, is mm. kind of, you know, making sure the highs aren't too high and the lows aren't too low. And you can, you mentioned, you know, when Dante Demas went down, you, that, that Dante Demas injury was undoubtedly the turning point of last season. I mean, that second quarter, they were shell shocked. So I do think that, you know, for Talia, you know, taking that next step, you know, as a, as an emotional leader uh, is kind of where he has that room to grow. But 
and in terms of his arsenal throws that he can make his progression uh, I think that you know he's more than capable and like you mentioned you know I think Maryland fans are very confident in the passing game and you know they bring back uh, Dante Demas who you might he'll very likely be out the first couple of weeks as he's coming back he actually had a setback uh, in the spring mm. so um, but you know Rakeem Jarrett Deshaun Jones is coming back Marcus Fleming comes back and they added former Florida wide receiver Jacob Copeland so uh, there's a lot a lot of uh, tools to work with. You know, there's another young guy, Ty Felton, who's a second year guy who really got a chance to, you know, get his feet wet as well with all the injuries that went down last year. So uh, it's definitely a veteran heavy room. Uh, They return all five offensive linemen from last year. Uh, Have a couple guys that, you know, were able to get a lot of playing time. So the the depth at the uh, up front for his protection is there. So, yeah, I, I do think that, uh, Talia has a chance to to really solidify himself as uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, if not in the country. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll we'll see how it unfolds. Two hundred and ninety seven passing yards per game last year, twenty six touchdowns, eleven picks, bunch of them, as you said, sort of in that disastrous yeah Iowa game. Listen, everybody has a bad day. Exactly. It is the the thing that I think. Um, and this is my outsider view. I'm not pretending that I'm, I, I watch him every week. Is there any tendency with him as, are there any, not doubts, but questions, maybe curiosities about what he'll be like against the best of the best that sometimes I, have there been times when it's like, give him an average defense and he will carve it up and look like a stud. But when you're talking about a world where there are some teams in the big 10 that really play good defenses. Um, is this a guy that you think, and again, until Demas got hurt last year, maybe he was going to do it. Can he do it 12 weeks? Can he do it against Ohio state? Can he do it against Michigan? Can he do it against the best teams in this conference? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think that is kind of the biggest question. Now, if you ask, you know, the Maryland staff, you know, what, what they kind of think, I mean, there's a lot of confidence in Talia coming back and, and, you know, what he's been able to show and his, I mean, he's very, very consistent. I mean, you always hear about, you know, guys that are putting in extra work and grabbing teammates. I mean, Talia, naturally you want that for your quarterback, but he does everything and everything that you, you kind of want your starting quarterback to do. So um, I do still think that it's fair to say, you know, kind of wait and see mode from an outside perspective on whether he can do it against Ohio state and Michigan. Um, He was able to, you know, be able, to do some things against Penn State you know they were in it until the last couple of minutes there um so uh and you know they they had several a couple of defensive linemen that or defenders excuse me that went to the NFL and obviously a future first second round pick and Joey Porter on the outside so um I do think he's shown flashes but yeah that this year that that will probably on the field from a fan perspective I think uh being able to show that uh is a fair question um but again there's there's confidence that he can do it so uh time will tell Dante Demas Jr., as you said, setback in the spring, might not be ready for the start of the season. He'll be ready for Ohio State in yeah, the uh, game of the year. Yeah, uh, that's expected. This, he's 6'3", 215. These were his games last year before he got hurt. Six for 133 against West Virginia, six for 128 against Howard, eight for 77 against Illinois, four for 108 against Kent State, and then against Iowa, four for 61. Wound up 28 catches, 507 yards in those five games. Why is this guy so good? What is it about Dante Demas? If you're going to start at 6'3", that's a good place to start. But And, like, is could, could he be – we saw great receivers in the Big Ten last year. Is this the kind of guy who could be, like, a first-round draft pick kind of guy? What's his ceiling? 
Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think he's a day one, day two, uh, okay. uh, 2023 pick uh, in my eyes. I mean, like you mentioned, obviously, 6'3", he's a, a nightmare and one-on-one on the outside, and he has a great vertical threat. And I think that one thing that he's been able to benefit from uh, briefly in the 2021 season was the fact that Maryland has other receivers that can take the underneath routes that, you know, they can make plays mm-hmm. out of the slot so that, you know, it, it you know, he can take the top off that defense, uh, but Demas is able, you know, he, when the ball's within his catch radius, he, he's very, uh, he, he's a reliable uh, receiving uh, threat. Um, and I think that he can also come across the middle. He can, it's not everything is, you know, 60 yard bombs, you know, he's, he has more than one route in his arsenal, uh, you know, route running, obviously, you know, that's going to be, you know, one thing that he kind of takes that next step on, but, you know, he's a capable proven uh, route runner. So I do think that he's kind of able to do it all, um, and when he's healthy, I mean, he'll he'll undoubtedly be that number one uh, target for Talia. And then you think about Rakeem Jarrett. Last year, 62 catches, 829 yards. The production did go up after Demas went out, had five for 88 against Indiana, had 10 for 105 against Michigan State, had seven for 111 against Rutgers, had six catches for 60 yards in the bowl game against Virginia Tech. He's a six-footer. Big-time recruit, was a big get when yeah. he picked Maryland. What's he like on the field? Is, is he a different receiver than Demas? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously, you know, just from a size perspective, you know, Rakeem Jarrett is uh, a little bit little bit of a shorter guy, but I think he he's very – when you talk about route runners, he's probably the best mm. route runner on the team. Um, okay. So he can work inside and out, and I think that's kind of what makes him most explosive. Um, you know, being able to move the chains, especially on third downs, you know that he's able to – if he needs eight yards, he'll, he'll get you eight yards, and he'll be able to create that separation, whether inside or out. Um, and I think one thing that he also benefits from is, like I mentioned, you know, when Demas went down last year, Rakeem Jarrett was drawing the match against number one corners on the opposing team so um, just being able to to kind of have other other receivers that will uh, be able to complement him uh, I think I think Raheem Jarrett is he's a guy that you know he definitely with the big season he's a candidate that he could uh, depart for the NFL early so I think just being able to show that full arsenal that he can do it inside and out and you know he has the vertical threat as well he has great speed um, but I think just with his, he's a route running technician uh, in my eyes and that that's kind of what differentiates him in that uh, wide receiver room I mean, it's like if you if you put this this quarterback and these top two receivers on Michigan or Penn State or Wisconsin, like people be going nuts like this is real. Right. These guys have all done it before, but they haven't had a huge opportunity to do it all together at the highest level. And these are guys with real talent and real experience and a play caller they know like this is this could be something this could be and again i don't know if it means maryland's gonna win 10 games but this legitimately could be an offense that people remember that maryland fans remember right like this is an offense that can this off do you think that led by this offense maryland will jump up and get somebody this year do you think they're going to knock off some top 25 team along the way because the two receivers are each going to go for 120 yards and Tonga Bailo is going to throw for 400 and they're going to put up 40 and win yeah I mean uh it's interesting you mentioned that uh does uh Mike Loxley joined uh, Greg McElroy last week and Greg McElroy was you know given the option between uh Indiana Maryland and Rutgers and 
he he mentioned you know Maryland is is capable of of beating Ohio State now do I think Ohio State you know we'll, you know we'll we'll see about that but um when you talk about the offense I mean like I said you know the offensive line even they they returned Jalen Duncan Spencer Anderson Johari Branch all the three of those guys Jalen Duncan probably most likely could have gone to the NFL draft last year um, but just with the returning production on offense uh, an expected more stable rushing attack that will be able to balance out the offense a little bit um I do think that Maryland, you know, has the offensive firepower to put a scare on one of these top teams. And, uh, you know, uh, Michigan, I mean, granted, Maryland's had their uh, struggles with Ohio State over the years. Michigan is in that same boat as well. Uh, you know, Mike Loxley is now, uh, I believe, uh, one and two against Penn State uh, so far. So, um, you know, he, he's he's been able to show it. But I, I do think that this offense is probably the best Maryland offense that fans have seen in maybe the last 10, 15 years. So I think there are, there's a lot of high hopes. There's not too many questions about what the offense can do. It's, it's uh, on the other side of the ball. All right. Let's keep freaking out Ohio state fans. Over. <laughs> Listen, I mean, Ohio state's Ohio state, but we've been running through a lot of teams on this schedule breakdown. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you know, I don't know, Indiana. Well, I don't know. Northwestern. Well, I don't know how good's Iowa going to be the last time. So two things. This is the week before the Michigan game and it's at Maryland and Ohio state has not been in bird stadium since they played there in 2018, the week before the Michigan game in a game where they gave up 51 points to Maryland. And frankly, Ohio state probably should have lost that game. So there's not very many guys left from that Ohio state team. But there's a lot of fans who are going to remember that the game. It, so Ohio, it's, it's even years. Ohio State plays at Maryland was canceled by COVID in 2020. What do you remember about that 2018 Ohio State game? And is that a game that people in and around the program? Do people talk about it? Do fans talk about it? Oh my gosh, we're right there. The two point conversion play. You score 50 on Ohio State. How do Maryland fans view that 2018 game? Yeah, they. Uh... Uh, I know, I know this is an Ohio state show, but that Maryland fans definitely look at that game as one they should have had. I mean, uh, it was, you know, big Rome and Deshaun Jones in the end zone on the two point conversion with Matt Canada. Um, you know, there were, uh, just throughout the game, even I remember my phone just blowing up every, every touchdown, uh, you know, a different person was texting me saying, Oh my God, is Maryland going to do this? And just felt like at some point, I remember, uh, a couple of friends were out and they took a picture and everyone was watching the Maryland game at the Ohio state bar. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it, 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 definitely is a game that Maryland fans uh, do not forget. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm expecting it to be sold out. Granted, you know, we all know Ohio State fans travel well. They've been able to pack Maryland Stadium uh, e- each year since Maryland joined the Big Ten. Um, and Maryland fans definitely remember, you know, all the, the, the blowout losses, the blowout loss last year. Um, but I think this year, there's going to be a lot of fans that are excited. And like we mentioned, you know, the, just the offensive firepower that Maryland has uh, just really adds to it. So, um it's uh, it's definitely a game that that Maryland fans will uh, will always kind of remember, and their their emotions in that the last couple minutes there going into overtime. It was uh, um, it was the most competitive game that Maryland's had against a top twenty five team uh, in the last couple of years in conference play. Ohio State fans are hoping because they beat Texas. Remember when they beat Texas? Twice. Holy moly! Uh, twice. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Take that, Texas. Yeah. The 
Ohio State fans are hearing this and thinking, well, the Ohio State defense is not going to be as bad as that 2018 defense. That's the why Jim Knowles is here making $2 million a year to make sure that's not the case. It was Anthony McFarland, right? He was the running back who ripped off like the two 90-yard touchdown runs. Yeah. That guy was good. That guy's in the NFL, right? That guy was legit. But this Maryland is this Maryland offense across the board better than that 2018 Maryland offense that dropped 50 on Ohio state. It seems to me from the outside, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Again, just with the offensive, the, the production that they return um, and with a lot of the young guys, you know, uh, you look at the running back room, for example, you know, last year they had a guy like Tayon Fleet Davis who initially took a lot of the carries. And then you saw uh, Colby McDonald, Challen Famatau, um, a little bit of Roman Hemby at times, a little bit of Antoine Littleton at times. And, you know, Antoine Littleton, uh, I should actually single him out because he was a guy he signed he was about 260 270 as a running back um and he's trimmed down a lot and uh even even with that size you know he was able to to kind of um you know use his power but now he's been able to trim down maintain that power uh and and just bolster his speed a little bit um so i do think that just with the the weapons that talia has the the protection yeah. that talia has and Randall was also able you know dj glaze was a guy that played in every game last year Amelia moran was another guy that played every game last year along that offensive line um, so I think just with the amount that Maryland returns, um, there are definitely high hopes. And then again, you know, Dante Demas, once he comes back and, you know, he, he's full go, um, you know, that's expected to be during conference play. So, um, yeah, there, there's, there's, this offense is definitely better than the 2018 offense. Now that's not a knock against the 2018 offense, but yeah. this talent yeah. just with the talent that they return is, is pretty remarkable. All right. Ahmed Gaffier from inside the black and gold founder. Let's call him the founder. <laughs> He's here. We're talking about Maryland. I, I'm not putting just, you got to just like tuck all this away. Ohio state <laughs> fans tuck all this away. Again, I don't really like talking about trap games. And while I, I end up saying I hate trap games right at the point when people would be saying it's a trap game. But I mean, again, it's like, it's a road game at a team that you've mostly dominated the week before your intense rival that you lost to last year, that you're building up to the whole season. Some people might call it that. So, um, uh, listen, founder, listen, like, it's, it's Ohio state's still a better team. There are some things here that you can see, like Maryland, I think is real. And if, and I, and I'll be curious when our big 10 or our clip.com big 10 poll comes out, listen, they're not going to be, Maryland's not going to be ahead of Ohio state and not ahead of Michigan, that kind of thing. But I'll be curious to see where they slot in. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you drop Maryland in the West this year and tell me the West is coming down to Wisconsin and Maryland, I might buy that. Does that, which like Mike Loxley is like, can we pick up the campus (sighs) and drop it in Illinois? Like what's the whole thing? Like every, it's why, it's why Mel Tucker and James Franklin and Mike Loxley and Tom Allen and Greg Schiano are ready for the end of big 10 divisions yesterday yeah. because that they think that kind of thing. But, but I do think Maryland's like, you can go start going through Iowa and Nebraska and kind of things that I don't know that you can, you can find as many guys with the ball in their hands to get excited about as you can with Maryland, right? Like th- this, this is a, what do you think this is eight win team? I'm not asking you to make a predictions, but is this like a, should they win like at least seven and maybe win nine? What are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, I think seven, when you, when you ask a lot of Maryland fans and what the expectation, what they're expecting for the season, 
Um, definitely a bowl game, but yeah, I mean, okay. seven, seven wins is, is the minimum. I think they have a chance to get eight. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the conference, non-conference play, you know, they actually have a, a game against SMU and that game is, that game mm-hmm. might be a little bit sneaky. SMU's done really well this all season in the transfer portal. So, um, I think that'll be an early test for them. They go to, uh, at Charlotte home against Buffalo, but you know, like the expectation is that they win all three of those. And then, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, just with the offensive firepower, I mean, I, I do think that Maryland has, has a chance to win, um, um, eight games this year, and that would be the most in uh, maybe about 15 years or so. And then are, is their first Big Ted game Michigan? Yes, it is. That's that September 24th when Ohio State is getting Wisconsin. Is that game at Maryland or at Michigan? Uh, I believe at Michigan. Don't sleep on Maryland, Michigan. That's the kind of thing, like if Michigan's, Michigan's non-conference isn't very good, if they're still trying to work some stuff out, they might have Dante Demas working out. 220 receiving yards on their head if they're not careful. Um, okay. Defensively. I think when you talk about an offense like this, you have an offensive head coach, you have two NFL level receivers, you have a quarterback who's been around and has talent. You have an offensive line that you're saying is good enough, right? It's not going to be, there's not going to be a defensive end in, in, in Talia's grill every second. The defense and for the team like that, because Loxley will let it loose, right? If a team like that, it doesn't have to be a great defense, but man, it can't lose your games. You can't be out there losing 38-35 every week because you can't stop anybody. Will the defense be good enough? Ahmed, what do you think? Um, I think the biggest question is, you know, exactly that. You know, I think with all every all the all the talk about what Maryland can do on offense, I think the biggest question on the defensive side of the ball is the front seven. You know, they lost uh, a couple of guys to the transfer portal: Demian Robinson, Daryl Jackson. One went to Penn State, the other uh, Miami. Uh, lost Brandon Jennings. Um, Terrence Lewis was a, a former five-star recruit, but he didn't play last year as he was rehabbing uh, from a, a torn ACL, suffered in high school. Um, and, you know, Maryland's brought in a couple of transfer portal guys, uh, Kushan Fuller down from Florida State, Vandarius Cowan, former Alabama, then West Virginia linebacker. Um, and, then, you know, they're two freshman linebackers and, and uh, Caleb Wheatland and Jayshon Barham uh, that have drawn a lot of praise. Uh, you have uh, your pass rusher and Darrell Nachami, who, um, from a pro football focus perspective, he's been grading out very well uh, since he's arrived in College Park. But the biggest question with him is, can he stay healthy? Um, that's not anything that you know he can control on a week in week out basis. But um, you know, being able to generate pressure. Uh, in that front seven is going to be the biggest question. Now, when you look on the back end, the Maryland will replace both starting safeties and uh, Nick Cross and Jordan Mosley. Uh, you'll have uh, likely Isaiah Hazel, uh, Bo Braid. Uh, both those guys will be back there. First years where they're full-time starters, but they've gotten their chance uh, to, to play a lot last year. But um, in the secondary as well, you know, all three cornerbacks return. Jacorian Bennett, um, uh, name's dropping me right now. Um, excuse me. I'm not going to get it. Sorry, 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 sorry. You already named like 38 guys. It's a, yeah, it's a, I was going to say. Fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the secondary, I think there's there's some confidence there, um, but just kind of that front seven, whether they're able to generate pressure, that that's going to be the biggest thing. And like, would average defense be good enough? You yeah. Think, like if they finish, you know, 53rd in the nation in, in, in defense or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think if Mar- if if. If Maryland's able to finish 53rd uh, in total defense, I think Maryland fans would be happy with that just because, you know, with the offense, what they're capable of doing, I think they'll they'll be able to uh, outpace a lot of their, um, you know, below average or, you know, average opponents that match up well with them. Um, so I think just it's going to – the biggest thing is going to be against the Ohio States, the Michigan, yeah. um, and then maybe Penn State. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about Penn State this year. Yeah. They take Dante Demas, I'll tell you that. 
Uh, I think everybody in the Big Ten. I, Ohio State would take Dante Demas, and that's <laughs> not a shot at anybody on Ohio State's roster. That guy, he was he was just showing some things last year early, right? That was just true, big, physical, talented, dominant number one receiver traits, right? That again, people love big receivers, but it's like the profile, like you would, you'd watch highlights of this guy. And it's like, yes, that is it. Right. He sort of has everything you want. Yeah. Uh, I think exactly that. I think there's, you know, very, very high ceiling for him and, and kind of what he's able to do this year. Um, so I think he's uh, you know, he's, he's more than capable. So he he'll, he's, he's in line for a big season this year. I just, what was the setback? You mentioned he had a setback in the spring and it's unfortunate. Listen, it doesn't matter who your team is. You want the best players on the field. You don't want anyone's opportunity at greatness to be taken away by an injury. What was the setback and and then how did people talk about it? Yeah. Uh, So it was, it was uh, definitely never, never addressed during uh, spring practice or anything like that by, you know, coaches making it public or anything like that, but uh, just a lower body injury. I mean, he already suffered a lower body injury uh, in the Iowa loss uh, that that derailed his, his season. So uh, it was just another setback from that. Mm, Uh, But um, you know, I, you know, uh, I will say, you know, even mentioning that uh, I heard both Dante Demas and Deshaun Jones have been, well ahead of schedule kind of throughout and obviously with the setback, but you know, Demas has kind of been in there. So um, I think they're just going to take a more cautious approach this, these first couple of weeks, likely hold him, make him limited in fall camp, but uh, get him full swing for, for conference play. Okay. Well, we hope to see him on the field uh, when the Buckeyes visit for game 11, it's November 19th, Ohio state at Maryland second to last weekend of the regular season. And of course, you guys can read about it and talk about it here on Buckeye Talk and at Cleveland.com. But if you want to keep up with the Terps, and I think maybe you'll want to, it's inside the black and gold. Ahmed has you covered there. It's a fun time to be talking Maryland sports, right? Everybody's fired up. Yeah, I think, like you said, you know, just with with uh, the, the the bowl win, uh, getting back to that standard and then obviously uh with Turgeon's departure and in comes Kevin Willard and just kind of the buzz that he's been able to generate you know with former players and uh and and the current roster getting that uh, all, all together getting their first in math recruiting almost 20 years um so I think there's there's just a lot more uh rejuvenated fan base now he's Ahmed Gafir inside the black and gold.com it was nothing There was nothing there. And then from nothing, he conjured an entire Maryland sports website. Ahmed, thank you so much for the time. And thank you for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Like I said, appreciate you guys having me. All right, we'll take last quick break and I'll come back and wrap this up next after this. All right, we're wrapping up the Maryland pod here. Uh, Listen, I don't want to overstate. I don't want to overstate how much of a challenge Maryland might be for Ohio State. Ohio State has beaten Maryland all seven times they've played. They had never played before Maryland and under league. So that's from 2014 to 2021. Again, no game in 2020. We know that 52 51 game in 2018. Last time Ohio state was at Maryland. The other six games that Ohio state and Maryland have played, the average score is 61 to 17. And in their seven meetings, these are the points that Ohio state has scored against Maryland, starting with the most recent 66-17 win last year. 
66, 73, 52, 62, 62, 49, 52. So Ohio State has never scored fewer than 49 points against Maryland. Maryland's not going to stop Ohio State. Could Maryland at its best score with Ohio State? That's what I wonder about. So as I am giving a percent chance for Ohio State, for an Ohio State opponent to beat the Buckeyes this year, I'm going to wind up, I'm going to have Maryland with the sixth best chance to beat Ohio State this year behind Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan State. So like behind like the good programs. But I think that road game with the talent they have, I think Maryland, I'm going to give them a slightly better chance than Iowa. And then a lot of the other games are like 99% Ohio State win. So I'm going to throw Maryland into kind of a real opponent this year. I just think when you think of that quarterback and those two receivers, and if the offensive line's decent at all, that is a lot more skilled talent than most of the people that Ohio State will face in the regular season. So uh, interesting. I'm I'm interested to see, again, we're going to have the, uh, on Monday, the Cleveland.com preseason Big Ten poll will be out. It's just hard when you're in the East. I would guess that they're still going to, they'll be fifth, my guess is, right? Ahead of Rutgers and Indiana, but behind Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State. I haven't done my poll yet. Nathan's mad that I didn't vote yet because the deadline passed. And he's like, how did my own colleagues not vote yet? Sorry. So I have to vote here on Thursday and I have to figure out where I'm going to put Maryland. I might put them ahead of one of the better programs. I got to think about it though. But I also, this, I think Maryland is the version of, last year's Indiana, that they they had a good year the year before, and then do you have expectations with some returning famous guys to build on that? But I do think there might be more there than there was with Indiana. Because again, I, th- I think both these receivers are legit. So anyway, don't want to don't want to like get on this pod and be like, I don't know, it's a toss-up. Oh, Maryland, Ohio State. I don't know. Sure, the line's going to be 29 and a half, but I don't know. It's not that. But I just think this this probably is the best Maryland team. Very likely the best Maryland team that we've seen in the Big Ten. So let's see what that looks like. All right. We have a rapid fire coming Friday. And then next week we will be at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis. You guys, of course, can try the text at 614-350-3315. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU. And uh, thanks to our new friend Ahmed for joining us. I thought it was really good. So try that web, try his, uh, his website, his publication inside the black and gold for now. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>